This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 38 The summer of 23 was unbearably hot, and every day the banks of Richmond swimming holes were lined with half-naked boys. Sometimes a harmonica or a fiddle was played, and the gang had music. Add tobacco or alcohol, and it was an all-out party. These were the days that Eddie pined for. Especially when he sat far away in the stifling hot office of Ellison Allen. He knew he should be working, or at least looking for Juliet's papers, but with remaining hope of talking her out of leaving, he spent his time getting lost in books and poetry. He was well into one about a haunted castle, when a dead calm had replaced the otherwise bustling sounds outside the shop. Eddie went to the window to investigate. There were no pedestrians, no horses, no noise at all. Then his eyes landed on a lone figure down the street. A man stood on the sidewalk, removed his hat, and looked to the ground. Eddie stepped outside to get a better look for himself. In the distance, the faint sound of horse hooves echoing on the cobblestones. The sound was eerie, and eerier still when he spotted the huge black hearse making its way directly towards him. Eddie knew conventional etiquette dictated that he looked down to show his respects, but he just couldn't help himself. This was too beautiful and haunting a sight to turn away. He stood watching as the beasts neared. They were huge once they reached him, riding past with nary a whinny nor a snort. Eddie looked up at the undertaker at the reins, thin, pale, and gaunt. He was almost as devoid of life as the poor wretch in the casket he was towing. Eddie caught his own reflection as the hearse passed by, and for a fleeting moment wondered if he too would ever have a funeral so ornate. Now other pedestrians had come to pay their respects also, so Eddie looked down, and yet he cocked his head in just such a way that he could catch one last glance at the passing sight. The black feather plumage decorating the hearse danced in rhythm with the clop, clop, clop of the horse hooves on the street. An idea struck. Eddie rushed back inside, grabbed the nearest piece of paper, and dipped his pen in the well. Shook as the quivering plumes upon the hearse. That's good. Eddie stood back to admire his work, and only then thought to turn the page over to see what he had been writing on. An official check for goods and services. Oh no! No, 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 no! Oh God, I'm dead. Pa would go extra hard on him for something like this, but only if he were caught. He searched the office for a match. If Eddie could forge a new document and shred the evidence, no one would have to know. All those years of practicing Pa's signature had to be good for something, right? He opened a ledger and began to flip pages. There were amounts paid to the Bank of the Commonwealth of Virginia and investments in the James River and Kanawha Canal Company. A random letter fell out. Eddie leaned down to pick it up. To Mr. John Allen in London, November 27th, 1817. Dear Sir, I take upon myself the liberty of writing you this note relative to Master Edwin Collier, whom you placed under my tuition in the spring of 1815. His mother informs me that she has frequently reminded your partner, Mr. Ellis, to mention Edwin's situation to you. She has accordingly solicited me to write and to present a statement of Edwin's account. The note was signed, Mr. William Irwin. Eddie knew the name. He himself had attended Irwin's school ever so briefly as a child. 
That was just before Pa transferred him to Burke's Academy years ago. Who the hell is Edwin Collier? He wondered. Next to the boy's name was a list of expenses totaling $84 and a date. Eddie wondered why Pa was supporting this boy. A scholarship, maybe? Charity. Pa was always going on about how charitable he was. But then he read a carbon copy of Pa's response. London, 21 March, 1818. Sir, I received your favor of the 27th November last but I cannot pay any more expense on account of Edwin. You will therefore not consider me responsible for any expenses after the 15th of the month. My thanks for the solicitude you have kindly expressed about Edgar and the family. Edgar is a fine boy, and I have no reason to complain of his progress. I am, etc., John Allen. The letter was clearly pause, short, to the point, matter of fact, plus the beautiful penmanship and the signature. But doing the math, Eddie also realized that this boy, Edwin, had been born after Ma and Pa were married. You goddamn bedswerver, he whispered. It had to be. Edwin was John's illegitimate son. It made perfect sense. The perfume on Pa's coat... Overnight business trips, meetings in taverns, it even lined up with Ma's fading spirit. But if Ma knew about Edwin, so too did Aunt Nancy. And everyone knew Nancy couldn't keep a secret. No, Ma couldn't possibly know about Edwin. But according to the letter, Mr. Ellis did. And that made him an accomplice. Furious. Eddie began to pour through books to find an address for Mrs. Collier. He found no such thing, but then he remembered Pa kept his address book at home, so he locked up the shop and left for the day. He was home and halfway through the yard when Juliet spotted him. Hi there, Eddie. Hi, he continued, hoping the short greeting would suffice. So, uh, have any luck finding papers today? What? He snapped. Did she know too? My freedom papers, she whispered. You find them yet? Oh, um, I'm sorry, Juliet. Eddie suddenly felt very guilty. Look, something really important came up. I'll find them, I swear. Have I ever let you down before? Well, no, but... Then don't worry about it. I've got it covered. Now, if you'll please excuse me, I have some records to dig through. I'm sorry, Eddie. I guess I'm just getting nervous is all. There's a ship due to leave not too long from now, and they're saving a spot for me but they ain't gonna hold it forever. Don't worry, he said, entering the kitchen and letting the screen door slam behind. Inside the empty house, Eddie dug through ledgers and journals with one promised eye out for Juliet and the other for anything about Edwin Collier. By supper, all he had to show for his efforts was more fury and a splitting headache. Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable 
Bible scholars and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.